your grandfather inspired me just because, you know, it started from you felt obligated to help her to the point where you wanted to help her. <laughs> and now you're looking, you're learning cooking techniques. And, and, and you didn't even know you were learning cooking techniques till later on in my career where I realized that's why you do that. That's why you have to cook it so long. That's why you have to do that. But back then, I didn't know. You know, all I knew was you had to get it ready the night before. You had to season it. You know, it had to be seasoned. And, and you know, Sunday dinner started on Friday night. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's that's how it started for me. Yeah. So the love she put in, the, that kind of stuff. You're listening to The Grind and Gratitude Show. I am Danny Stone, and I've dedicated my entire life to helping people win. Win in their careers, win in their businesses, and win in their lives. This podcast is going to help you get on your grind and hustle to create the life that you love and walk in gratitude along the journey. Each episode, I'll teach you tools and tactics and bring you conversations with experts that will help you turn your passion into a thriving online business. Life isn't about wishing for something greater. It's about making it happen. There's something special about you. Grind until you find it. Be grateful when you get it. Welcome to the Grind and Gratitude show. If this is your first time listening, thanks so much. If you're an avid listener and you've you've been listening for a while, I really really appreciate you. We've been we've reached uh, listeners in 27 countries so far, so it's all because of you guys that we're getting there. So thank you so much for tuning in. Now, you guys know, as I always say, every time I have a guest, I always bring on really interesting people and people that are going to inspire you with their stories and their journey. And this is no exception, but I think so far, this might be one of the biggest guests I've brought on so far. I think so. I think it is. So let me tell you a little bit about my guest and and who he is before we, before we, uh, I introduce him. So he is a longtime chef who's been in the culinary world for over 25 years. Uh, he's a motivational, um, (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I don't want to say motivational speaker, but he's been known to motivate people. He's somebody who believes in giving people second chances. I mean, um, I've known a lot of people who've worked under this chef and they always sing his praises because he takes a genuine interest in people and he believes in, in giving people a shot. Um, he's not only a chef, but he's somebody that I've looked up to growing up, growing up um, when I was growing up. He's like a big brother to me. Uh, this is my uncle, Chef Colin Stone. Welcome to the show. What's up? What's up, D? Yeah, man. Thank welcome. Welcome. I want to thank you for having me on the show, buddy. I like what you're doing. I see what you're doing. And uh, I just want to say I appreciate you, and I'm, I'm glad to be a part of it. That's all. Oh, man. Thanks so much, man. You know, I appreciate all the support, like always. You know, you've always been a very big supporter of me. And we're going to have some fun today. We're going to get into some questions. We're going to talk about a lot of different things. And, um, you know, before we jump in, I'll just give you a little, a little, I know you already know, but just tell you a little bit about what the Grind and Gratitude show is about. It's about people who hustle to get what they want. It's about people who put in that time and the work to get to, you know, not just levels in their career, but in their life. 
And it's about being grateful uh, along the way and being grateful for the journey. And so, you know, I brought you on here because, you know, I've seen you put in this hard work in your career and in your life. And I've seen, you know, all of the people that you've inspired. Right. So and I know that you're somebody who's grateful as well. So that's why I wanted to bring you on. This is the last episode of the year. And uh, I just wanted to have you on. So thanks for being on the show, Uncle. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me, dude. Yeah, man. So let, let's let's kind of like get into it with some people. So obviously, you know, you're a chef. And, and how long have you been a chef? D, I've been doing this professionally since uh, 1985. 85. But, you know, I've been cooking. I've been cooking since I was about 10 or 11, man. So, you know, with your grandmother in the kitchen, you didn't really have a choice, you know. On Saturday evening, you got to help her get ready for Sunday meal. So I chose to hang out with her, right? I like being in the kitchen. I like helping her. And I just, uh, it just evolved from there, man. I think you and I kind of started the same way because I think I was about five or six when I would go out into grandmother's backyard, bring in the, you know, the vegetables and then right. we would cook stuff up. And right. I, I remember those early memories too. I was, I was a kid and, you know, I loved, you know, being able to go out into the garden and pick you know, fruits and vegetables, and then you actually come back and make something with them. I, I, that's that's what got me cooking too. Right on. Yeah, so, your grandmother, your grandmother inspired me just because you know it started from you felt obligated to help her to the point where you wanted to help her, <laughs> and now you're looking, you're learning cooking techniques, and, and and you didn't even know you were learning cooking techniques till later on in my career. Where I realized that's why you do that. That's why you have to cook it so long. That's why you have to do that. But back then, I didn't know. You know, all I knew was you had to get it ready the night before. You had to season it. You know, it had to be seasoned. And, and you know, Sunday dinner started on Friday night. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's that's how it started for me. Yeah. So the love uh, she put in, the, that kind of stuff. No, there was the love, but did, so. That being said, because you started when you were young, so did, did you always yeah. know that you wanted to be a cook, or is that just something that you did? Like, what did you want? To, did you know you wanted to be a cook? And if not, what did you want to be when you were growing up? I think, no, no, no. I think I was about 12 when I figured it out. Uh, before that, I didn't really know what I wanted to be. Because there, there's so many examples in our family of, you know, people that just went straight through with the education part, with, with the formal education, right? Danny, you know what I'm talking about. There's a lot of people in our in our family with degrees, and you know that's the road that I was supposed to take. That I, my father, you know, wanted me to take, but it just wasn't for me. Once yeah. I started cooking and had my hands on the food, I realized that's what I wanted to do. And, and I was about twelve. That's that's an early age. Like when you think about, you can ask somebody right now who's twenty five. What do you like? What do you want to do? They don't know. You can ask someone who's 35, 45. 55 and they still don't know like you get stuck along a career path but that doesn't mean that that's what you wanted to do so for you to know that at 12 years old i mean most people never are still trying to figure it out at 50 you know <laughs> i yeah i feel i feel fortunate that way and i often wonder you know what other career path i would have taken if it wasn't for this because i've been doing this all my life but having said that in this job you get to be a lot of different things you're not just a chef. You're not just cooking food. You have to deal with people's personalities, with the highs and the lows, with with their 
you know, issues and problems. You're like a counselor. You're like a, it's a multifaceted job that I realized, you know, coming up that it's more than just, just ordering food and cooking food. I believe it. You have to get the best out of people. You have to learn how to get the best out of your, your staff. Right. And it's hot so in the kitchen. What's that? I said, and it's hot in the kitchens and, and things oh, get intense. Man. <laughs> man, intense. I've seen all kinds of things, man. I've seen grown men cry. I've seen full on fist fights. You know what I mean? I've, I've seen a lot of crazy stuff, but um, at the end of the day, it's a team. And you know, you played a lot of sports. I played a lot of sports and I always brought it back to the team. It's a team, right? You don't have to score the touchdown, but if you make that block, someone's going to score. Right. So you have to be humble. You have to be selfless. Sometimes you have to be selfish. But at the end of the day, at the end of the night, when you're finished service, it's a team. Right. Right. You guys won or you lost together. Right. right? So that, that's always been my go-to is, is sports analogies, basically. That's uh, good. So you, know, so you think... So you think sports like really kind of helped you? Do you, think, do you think being on a sports teams really helped you in the kitchen? Yeah, without a doubt. When I I met when I was you know running restaurants and I saw a resume. If I saw someone that played football, basketball, uh, a team sport. Now I'm not talking about track and fields. I'm not talking about you know running. I'm talking about a team sport. If I saw that on the resume, I was more inclined. To, to follow up with those type of people because they understand what it's like to be on a team. Right. Right. So at the end of the day, the kitchen is not just a brigade. I mean, there is a hierarchy, but you have to work for each other. Right. Right. Yeah. It's a unit. It's a cohesive unit. And if one person's not doing their job, the whole thing will fall apart. Right. Right. It's pretty simple. No, I mean, that's interesting. And, and, you know, we grew up in, in Nova Scotia, Canada. So for those who don't know, Nova Scotia is on the east coast of Canada. And it's, it has a lot of history, you know, black history, Scottish history. And so for you growing up in Nova Scotia, like, how do you think that that influenced your, your culinary style or your passion for, for food growing up in Nova Scotia? Well, it's a, that's a, a multi-headed question because you know, your formative years, all I knew was Jamaican food, basically. Right. In our house, you know, I, I never had McDonald's or, right. you know, fish sticks for supper <laughs> or those sorts of things. Like, right. we had to have cooked food. So when I grew up, it was a very uh, Jamaican influence on my style. Now, the East Coast is full of seafood, as you guys know, everyone watching knows. We're blessed to have multiples of, of, you know, varietals of fish, varietals of, of different shellfish. Even our agriculture, you know, we've got lamb here. We've got with our wild blueberries, that sort of thing. Like Nova Scotia is, we're blessed to have the climate that, that encompasses a, a lot of things. So when I started my career, I learned a lot about Canadian cuisine, North American cuisine. Right. Um, in school, you learn French cuisine, but then you scale it down to where you're from. It's uh, seafood-centric. On this, on this side of it, you know what I mean? Right. So how did that, how did those two worlds meet for you? You know, the, the, the well, Caribbean food and then the, the, you know, the East Coast seafood and fish and all that kind of stuff. For me, the basics of, of cooking was that you have to take your ingredients and you, and you have to make sure you get the best out of them. Like I said, when Sunday dinner is prepared on Friday evening, you know that meat's going to taste good. You right. know that 
So I'm gonna put some love into that, some some forethought, some you know, some skill. So when someday when it's finally cooked and finished and done, you know that that food is flavorful, it's tender, it's it's all it can be. So I took that sort of mentality and put it towards you know my classical French knowledge. Right. We were taught French cuisine, but I added some love to it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You have to care for your for your for the products. Right. You can't just put them in a pan with salt and pepper. That doesn't work. Right. That's right. no good. Uh, basically, I took my my mother's love for the ingredients of what you're using, and I put it into my knowledge of of what we were doing. You know, my food was always seasoned properly. It was always seared properly. Um, you can't overcook fish. You, you know, you have to you have to put some love into it. You can't just uh, a lot of chefs get by. I, I don't want to. I don't know how I'm going to make this sound, but a lot of a lot of chefs get by with just doing the basics. You got to go yeah. above. You got to go yeah. to the next level. You got to make sure that your customers are getting the true experience of whatever that item is. Yeah. No, that's one of the things that you're you know? known for. I mean, I'm not just saying this because you're my uncle, but anybody who's ever been to one of your restaurants or a restaurant that you worked at, they always said it's like it, it's an experience, right? They're like, man, you know, every time I go to your uncle's restaurant, it's not just the food. He comes out, he talks to you, he presents it. He talks to the waiters and waitresses to make sure that they lay everything out properly. And they just, everybody I ever know who's ever gone to uh, one of your restaurants, and it's a lot of people, they all say the same thing. It's just like Colin just creates this experience. And so that kind of speaks to what you're talking about. It's not just anyone can go anywhere and get a plate of food, but you, you, you present it, you come out, you joke, you laugh with people, you make (laughs) the check on them. Right. And that's one of the things. So like. Is that like is was that that's just in you from from that's, grandmother that's, or that's your grandmother, buddy? That's your grandmother. Your grandmother. I've always said, and she told me, if if you've got if you're proud of what you're doing, you're gonna be able to talk about it. Right. You're gonna be able to go and talk about it because you're proud of what you just did. Right. And her personality. You right. know what I mean? She was a very confident woman. She was very personable. Yeah. She taught you to be. You're not nervous. Right. right? You got to right. get over that. Yeah. You know, everyone is the same. No one's yeah. better than you. Yeah. So you get out there, you talk to the people. If it's something that you know what you're talking about, then of course you're going to be able to speak on it and making people feel welcome. Now, that, that's, that's what you're probably, good at, though. That's, that's my what, thing. That's, no, you're good at like you're good at like making people feel welcome, making them. You know this because you've worked in some of these high end restaurants, but yeah. going into some of these restaurants, it can be like an intimidating experience. You know, I know True friends that, that want to go to a nice restaurant and they want this really nice experience, but it can be intimidating. You know, the chef is known to be very intense or the, it's like going to like a fast food restaurant in another country. You know, you pull up at this little restaurant or you pull up at, at the little food truck outside and right. you look, what am I ordering? You feel all this pressure. All these people are behind you, like, hurry up and order. Yeah. It's kind of like that for some people when they go to a nice restaurant. They don't know what to order. They're stressed out. And, and I think that's one of the things that you do really well. So let me I, ask you uh, this. Let me ask you this, uh, Chef Stone. What, yeah. what, what, I know you've cooked lots of dishes, but like, what yeah. are some of your favorite dishes to cook? It, it might sound corny. I had the opportunity to work with an Italian chef when I moved back from Vancouver, Rizzio Bertozzi. And the first time I made risotto with him, he walked me through it, but he was telling me about his childhood while we were making the risotto. Now, risotto takes about 20 minutes, about 20, 22 minutes to me from start to finish. So you, it's not something you can rush. You can't, you have to attend it. You have to stay by the pot. You have to add the stock. You have to stir. You have to let it reduce. 
You add more stock. You make sure it doesn't stick. You have to babysit the pot. Right. So you can't rush. It's not a. It's not something you can just put on and go away and come back and it's ready. Right. It doesn't work though. But the first time I made it with him, you can see how he's made this a thousand times. But every time he makes it, it's the same. It's like he goes right back to this zone of nothing else is going on. This is it. And the attention that he gave to that little dish of risotto, that made me want to do the same thing. One of my things is when I'm in the kitchen, I have to make a batch of risotto. I make sure that I set aside that time that I can just zone out for 20 minutes and babysit this risotto, let it do its thing. And when it comes to fruition and it's ready, it's a feeling of accomplishment. Like you, I don't know how to describe it. But, no, I get but, it. I get it. Like it, it, but that's, that's probably my go-to in the kitchen to bring you down to, you know, it's all about the food, yeah. whatever else is going on. The, the orders are coming in. There's delivery men at the back door. Someone called in sick. It doesn't matter. This dish needs your full attention right now. And that's, that's, it's a calming effect. It's a satisfying effect. It's a, a, a sense of accomplishment when it's done. Tell people what's in risotto because everybody might not know. So what, like what's well, in risotto? It, Just the basics. Uh, it's basically, it's a short grain rice, arboreal rice. Generally use a stock, usually a chicken stock, but you can use vegetable stock, fish stock. It doesn't matter. The ingredients of risotto are endless. You know, we've had beet risotto where it's bright, bright purple. You can have um, butternut squash risotto, which is rich. It's, it's bright orange, it's smooth and satisfying. The thing about risotto, it's a comfort food. It's very rich, it's very heavy. So when it's done, if you see someone put their fork in that, after you put your love in it, and they put their fork in it, and one bite, you see their eyes roll, right? You see them go, oh, that right there, <laughs> that's it. That, yeah. You know you did your job. Yeah. So that's me. That's When I make a batch of curry chicken, Yeah. I go back to my childhood. Yeah. So that's another one that's very comforting to me. Like when I make that, I go right back to Maplehurst Drive. Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm people love yeah. the people love you. You know, people love the curry chicken as well. Everyone loves oh, the curry chicken. I've been making it a long time, man. <laughs> you know, you've had a long kind of culinary career. What would you say are some of the highlights of your career? Like what were some of the things that you just absolutely don't forget? Wow. Well, I know he, it's a, it, it's a long you, history. There's a lot of memories, Danny. That's a tough question. There's so many memories. But when I was in cooking school and we had a competition, the winner of this competition was going to go to Vancouver with the Nova Scotia culinary team. Um, and we're going to compete. And it was called the Culinary Olympics. We're going to compete internationally. I was fortunate enough to win that competition. Wow, that's amazing. Against my peers. my And I I never in school i was confident but i wasn't there was kids that were supposed to go on and be great and you know there were some kids that already took pastry so they already had a history and i was i had quiet confidence i know wow. myself was good but i wasn't braggy because i'm still 17 years old then wow but when i won that competition that was it the confidence was up here and i knew that i was good of course. I mean, listen, you were 17 years old and you won a competition to, to represent your your province or state for my American. Yeah. That's a big deal at 17 years old. Like, of course, you're going to be confident after that. It was uh, that was probably the first one. But once I once I got to Vancouver. So, I mean, my career is going on. But when I moved out west, I worked in one of the busiest restaurants in Vancouver. And I'll shout out to Joe Fortes right now. For those of you that know Joe Fortes that have been to Vancouver, I know you know it. I was fortunate enough to work there for five years, and I was a chef there for two years. So I worked my way up. Wow. When I moved out there, I was just on the totem pole. I was low, low, man. The yeah. Scotian kid. You know what I mean? They, <laughs> they all think you're a newbie. 
Right. When they go out there and you're a goofy, they don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So I went out there, man, and I worked hard, man. My chef said to me, he said, you got any boys that want to come out here? Because if they work like you, I want them. Right. So after he said that to me, man, I just busted my ass. And I moved up, and I moved up, and eventually, you know, after three and a half years, I was the head chef there. Man, that's crazy. In that, in in three and a half years, you moved up. Like I think you know, and I think this is a a great moment to pause because, you know, sometimes people we have to understand that like what you want is going to require a lot of work. Yeah, and nothing comes easy, right? Like you know, typically that would take five, seven, eight, nine years for you to work your way up from the bottom of working in a restaurant all the way up to a head chef. And I think this is a good lesson for people that like, sometimes that's what it is. You know, you're going to have to put in, you know, one, two, three, four years of work, but it's worth it because in the end you end up getting what you want. Right. So I suggest to anyone that, that does a job there's nothing wrong with starting at the bottom. If when you start at the bottom, you know every aspect of what you're doing. When you eventually become the chef and someone asks someone to do something, you already know how to do it. You've done it many times. So it might be a job that is not a glamorous job. Maybe maybe you got to peel 50 pounds of onions because you need them right away. Right. When they see the chef jump in and peel the onions faster than they've ever seen anyone peel onions, that's their motivation. Oh, shit, the chef jumped in, peeled onions with me, beside me. Right. That's their motivation to be like, oh, okay, he's grinding, I'm grinding. If you, if, the, if I'm standing, trust me, I've cleaned toilets in the restaurant. And whatever you have to do with a big restaurant, it doesn't matter your position, you, you have to do it. Right, right. But when they see someone of that level doing a job that seems menial, they now don't see this media. They're like, well, if the chef jumped in and did it, I have to do it. Right. If he if he's doing it, I have to do it. That's right. And that's always been my you gotta lead by example. You can't ask someone to do something that you wouldn't do. I think that's important, man. That's really important. You know, right. we do that a lot in relationships. We do it a lot in, you know, business and in 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 our jobs. We ask people to do things that we're not willing to do and then wonder why they do it reluctantly or don't go all right. in. Why would you right. ask somebody to do something that you're not willing to do and then expect them to do it perfect or 100% w- with effort? Like, you that's know. Right. And I think that's why people work so hard for you. You know, I know people who've worked under you. My brother MJ's worked under you. You no. know, I think that's it speaks to you. It speaks to your style, speaks to what you're about as a person. Working in restaurants is very hierarchical, right? right. You know, you have these levels right. of stuff and, and people make sure that you understand what level you're at. So for a chef to come down, roll up his sleeves and chop onions, like I, I, that speaks volumes. That That is the, I, when I mentioned Joe Forte's, anyone that's known Joe Forte's, it, it is a very extreme, it's downtown Vancouver. It's a very, very busy restaurant. There's about 260 seats. Wow. There's another 100 seats on the patio, upstairs patio. It is a very, very busy place. They hire immigrant dishwashers, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it's just how it is. It's a big city, just like Toronto. Right. It's a big city, and a, a, lot of, a lot of people go through the kitchen. But when it's backed up, and the dishwashers are backed up, and, and you see the chef jump in the dish pit. Oh, wow. And motor through the and motor through, Danny. Not just do the dishes, motor through like it was your job. <laughs> when they see that, Danny, I'm telling you, it 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 sparks something in them. They change gears, and they want to work 
faster and harder because they know that you're in there with them. You're right. you're with them. Right. You're not someone in the office behind the glass window looking at them and clipboard. You 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 have to get in with the people and you have to earn their respect. Then you go grab your clipboard and do what you got to do. Right. But you you know what I mean. You built the the foundation, the basis. Um, you set the standard. You set the specs. That's what you expect. Okay, now I'm going to go do my job. But understand, this is what I expect. Wow. And that's- and that's they they just work. They just. It just seems like they want to live up to what you just did. And that's always been my, fortunately, that's been my experience. Yeah, but see, that's, I mean, this anybody who's like listening right now, who's in a, a leadership role, if you're uh, an entrepreneur, if you have people reporting to you or working under you, I think this is a good lesson for people because a lot of times people lead with authority. I have yeah. this job title. I'm the CEO, so you need to listen to me. Well, People aren't buying into that just because of your job title. It's it's like you said, right. it's it's leading by example. We we call it servant leadership, where you're actually the leader of an organization is actually serving the people that work for that organization. And that's kind of what you're talking about. And I think this is a good lesson for people. Is if you're constantly finding yourself where people just aren't buying into what you're doing or what you're trying to create in your job or in your business, then you might have to look at the way that you lead people, Right. And so that's what I'm getting from what you're saying here. And I think that's very Absolutely. important. For you you, you got to walk it and talk it because a lot right. of chefs talk it. They don't walk it. Right. They forgot. Once they yeah. get to be executive chefs, they, it seems like they forget where they started. Right. Right. You forget about being with the boys. At the end of the day, the kitchen is it's called a brigade. And, it's, right. and it, the kitchen is based off the army. So you have a lot of, you know, young people that are workers. Then you have your captains, your lieutenants, your captains, your generals, you know, your colonels, whatever. It works up like that. Sometimes the colonel has to, you know what I mean? He yeah. has to take his jacket off. That's right. That's right. And, and roll up his sleeves and get in there yeah. with the enlisted men. But that's how you gain. That's how they they respect you. Because if they see you grinding, then they're going to grind. No, I love if it. they see you as someone that walks around the clipboard and is always barking orders, and they don't they don't respect that. Well, you know, I, I think that's 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 a great lesson. And you know, some of the other things too. <laughs> I remember I think this was a few years ago. I get a I get a phone call from one of my friends, my friend Matt. He was at my wedding. He had met you at the wedding. And I get a I get a, a phone call from Matt and he said, I just saw your uncle <laughs> up here in Toronto. Now I'm now calling Chef Stone doesn't live in Toronto, he lives probably about a two hour plane oh. ride from me. And I, I said, I said, what do you mean? He came to Toronto and didn't tell me he's here. And my friend Matt says, no, he's on a billboard. <laughs> 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 so they had a big billboard of tourism, yeah. Nova Scotia. They had your big yeah. face on it. And yeah. then literally a couple of hours after that, I get a text message from somebody else who's, I think I just saw your uncle on this big billboard out in Mississauga, a whole other city. And, yeah. and so I remember texting you and I'm saying, I remember that. I said, what do you do? Like you're, and then somebody else texted me and said, I saw your uncle in this uh, tourism Nova Scotia commercial. Did you see the commercial yet? 
And so there was a point where you were all over the TV, all over the billboards. And now you have this magazine, Clean Eating uh, East Coast Living magazine. Yeah. I mean, what does that feel like to have all of these things kind of happen in your career? I feel, well, first of all, I feel blessed. You know what I mean? I'm very grateful for that because the opportunity to represent my province as kind of like a spokesman, ambassador, culinary ambassador, I feel very strongly about Nova Scotia. I, I, I mentioned it earlier, our aquaculture, our agriculture, the produce, Oxford blueberries worldwide, Digby scallops worldwide. Nova Scotia is a super small province. Look on the map. Whenever we have the opportunity to showcase Nova Scotia, I feel proud. And when they asked me to do that commercial, I was like, yep, I'm down. But since then, I, I've had the opportunity. Now they think that I'm some sort of representative. You know, <laughs> that was just a commercial. But subsequently, I've done a lot of other things for the province. And I, I feel proud, man. I feel proud. What we like what? What are some of the things? Compared to the other provinces and even, you know, down the state. We're a very, very small little place here. Culinary-wise, I'll match us with anybody. Wow. Anybody. Coast to coast. I've proven that. I've gone to Vancouver and won gold medals. with. Nova Scotia products right. and Nova Scotia salmon, you know, that that was uh, that's probably one of the highlights of my career to compete in BC where salmon is, right. you know, right. king. And we took our Atlantic salmon up there and we won the competition. Wow. So for me, that was that was one of my uh, my highlights that, that we're not, you know, just the, the new feast right. that they call us, you know. You know, Scotians, you, you have to recognize us. Yeah. So and, I, I was proud of that. No, I love I love that you said that. So what is it like? What is it about? I mean, aside from the career and stuff, like what would you say uh, are some of your great memories about growing up in Nova Scotia? It's bittersweet, Connie. I mean, Danny, you know that, you know, your your grandparents were immigrants. I'm, I'm the first generation Canadian in our family. You know what I mean? So. That came with a lot of pressure that I I don't think they put it on me. I think I put it on myself. They left somewhere to make a better life, not just for them, for us, for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, they left their their little country and came to Canada, which was all new to them, to make a better life. So I felt like I I had to not live up to, but you know, you can't let them make them feel like they wasted their their time, their do you understand what I mean? I oh, I completely you, get it. You know, what, you know, problem. it's funny. No, it's great that you say that because, you know, when I think about things that I'm grateful for, and I say this to people all the time, people think it's just about what I think I'm grateful for that I have. And I go back to my grandparents. I said, I'm grateful right. that my grandparents moved here from the beautiful country of Jamaica. Yeah. To come in the 1960s to come to this cold country where yeah. people didn't even understand that they spoke English. And so I, every day I'm, I'm always, that's always a part of my, my gratitude thing that my grandparents moved right. here to give my mother, your sister, yep. Um, yep. and, and all of you uh, a better chance. And in turn, all of, all of their kids, me and all my cousins. So, and so I'm very grateful for that. And I know what you mean. It's almost like when your parents do something for you or your grandparents or whatever it is to help you better yourself, there is an obligation. You almost feel, and that's what I felt. I felt obligated to just not mess up so much. You know yeah. what I mean? Like just yeah. to try to make them proud because, you yeah, know, it's, it's because more. of them that I'm here. <laughs> that's right. I, I always felt like I had to do more. Like I had to, 
not overachieve, but just make sure that you you doing all you can do. Like right. you, you know what I mean? Right. So it's what I tell Isaiah, I tell you, I tell your cousin, it doesn't matter what you're doing, just try to be the best at it. Right. Or if you're not the best at it, at least be good at it. Right. You know what I mean? It's not enough to just be mediocre. It's no, right. it's no good. Yeah, and, and that's a really good point. I think sometimes too, you know, we set goals and then you don't achieve the goal or or you kind of do but you don't get the, the complete results that you want. Well, maybe it's your effort. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, maybe, no, right. like you became a great chef because you put in so much time and effort. Like I'm sure that you studied books and other chefs and like, you really loved what you did. And the message that you're giving to your yeah. son, Isaiah, is that the same? It's like, whatever you do, go all in with it. And if you fail, yeah. at least, you know, you went all in with it. And I think that's right. sometimes we're kind of half that's in and exactly half out. What- and we get half the result, right? <laughs> I don't think it's fair that if you have, you know, the, the mental capacity um, to do better and you don't, it's, it's, it's not right. I don't think it's right. You're not living up to your potential. You're not, you're not. I told Isaiah, your, your cousin is, you know, he's a smart kid. He's, he's quite intelligent. Very. And what I tried to impress on him is that it's not okay to just be, to just get over. You have to do more. There's a lot of kids that, that aren't able to accomplish things, maybe mental capacity, maybe it's their environment, whatever it is. But if you're able to, it's not fair for you to just be average. I'm sorry, it's not. That means you're not putting your whole heart in it. I don't care if you work at a gas station or, or you're a nuclear physicist. You, you got to do do all you can do. Yeah, do it to your to your best ability, because that's all you can do in life. Yeah. Yeah. Your best, Man, and, and that's how I'm kind of. I mean, that's how I've molded myself, and I try to impart in him. That's what your grandmother imparted in me. You just got to do your best. That's that. Man, that's great. That's great. That's great advice. I was just going to ask you that. What, like, what is, what is, you know, some of the best advice that you've ever gotten? And that definitely is is, well, is something I remember. But like, what else can you remember? Your your grandmother had a, had a few things that she would hammer. You know what I mean? And I don't know if they were hammered into her. There's a few things that were hammered into into us, into me, and I know you. One of them, yes, like you had. We, we had a little a religious background, right? Everyone has to have, a, I think, at least a knowledge of the Bible. Or you don't have to be a, a Bible thumper, but I find that that base. If you have a a base of faith, and I'm not saying the Bible's a thing, whatever your faith is, it, you have to have something like that, um, something bigger than yourself, something that you believe in. That keeps you on the straight and narrow and the right. You know right from wrong. Your morality is cool. You're you're good that way. You're a good person. Um, you have empathy. You have sympathy. Those sorts of things were were embedded in me. Your mother, all your grandmother, always instilled hard work. Now, if she she wasn't a woman that that did post secondary learning or or anything like that. Your grandmother was a woman that worked very very hard. She had a lot of knowledge, and we might call it street knowledge. Right. You know what I mean? Definitely. She knew people. She knew how to read people. She knew how to to feel their pain and, and kind of make them feel at ease, uh, comfort them, 
she was also very strict, very strong. You know that. Yes. yes. But the other side of, of your grandmother was the most important to me. And it was the fact that she she put a lot of herself out there and she cared for people. And it wasn't a show. A lot of it was on the download. Yeah. A lot of that stuff, not people, a lot of people don't know about. Right. Uh, later on in life, I've met a lot of people that your grandmother had helped brought food to, um, counseled on drug abuse, right. um, counseled on just just their, their living. Marriage, uh, their relationships. Home. Yeah, relationships. She always had time for that, to talk to people and listen. And when she talked to you, you felt like she really was listening. I've learned, I've used that so much in my career that it's part of me. Well, I you see have that to you. be genuine. I definitely, I can, I mean, I, I absolutely see that in you. Like, yeah. I see that grandmother definitely instilled that in you, that empathy, that ability to kind of understand other people, to take your time with people to listen right. to them like you have all of that you know and by the way I, we should just let everybody know that you know your mother my my grandmother passed away man it, over what was that 10 10 10 years ago years. yeah maybe yeah. 15 years ago but left you uh -huh. with all these lessons so I, I yeah i definitely see that in you for sure and I think those lessons, I mean, they're, they're definitely in me as well. Absolutely. You know what I mean? I, I live yeah. my life, you know, any to any chance I get, I definitely talk about grandmother and all the lessons that she learned. And I think that's right. I think that's where you and I really get that, the empathy, that, that, um, the, the kind of wanting to understand other people and understand people's pain and, and where they come from and all that kind of stuff. And so like yeah. for you, and you talk, a lot about faith too. And I'm, I'm like you, I'm not like, I'm, I'm faithful. Like I really, I really, a lot of people don't know this about me, but I really have a, a strong faith. And um, so with you, like, do you find that you had a, a strong faith and like, how does that show up for you? Well, <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's tough because, you know, growing up, I went to I went to church four times a week. Wow! You know, uh, the religion that that she belonged to, it it really took all of you. Like you were in it. You were in. You weren't. It wasn't just going on Sunday and it, it, that. No, that wasn't it. Um, you really had to put work in. So the first 16 years of my life, very, very spiritual. Uh, I was very much into the religion. Uh, as I got older, I kind of moved away from it. But that base that I have has led me through my life in so many situations, so many situations where you know right from wrong. You know what you're doing is not right or where you're going is not right or right. what the situation you're in is not right. You have to look within. And then you you'll figure it out. I'm not supposed to be here, right? And, and that I'll tell you, that has carried me through my whole life. It's that simple. And I've been in some situations on the wrong side of stuff, and it's it's that it's that upbringing that brought me back to center. That's know? interesting. That's real interesting because I never really heard you say that before. You know, you and I have all kinds of conversations all the time. Oh yeah, we talk. We, we, talk, talk, about we talk about everything. everything, and I've never really heard you say that before. Is it something that you re recently realized, or did you always know it and just never really communicated that? 
Well, I'll tell you, 20 years ago or 25 years ago, when I was uh, living in Vancouver, you got a young Scotian boy from kind of, kind of a, not sheltered, but like I said, I spent a lot of time at church. You know, when I was 20, I was in BC, no supervision. It, it was a, it was a, it was a wild time, right? <laughs> Big city. Right. And you get caught up, right? Yeah. It's easy to get caught up. But that spiritual base, it, it kept me grounded. Right. It brought me back from, you know, from, from a situation that could have been detrimental. Right, right. That learning, that, that, that knowledge, that spirituality, it kept me from going, I guess, further than I did. Right. And it, it, it kind of brought me back to center, knowing that you know that this isn't right. It's not right. How you're living is not right. So fortunately for me, uh, I had the opportunity to move back home and surround myself with my family um, and get centered. And after that, my career took off to another plateau. Right. You know, when you're in the big city and you do well, you think that you're the man. You think that you're the man. You get an overblown idea of who you are because mm -hmm. people are, are gassing you up. Right. You know what I mean? You work in the busiest restaurant. You're the chef. You walk in the nightclubs. They know who you are. The bouncers. They know who you are. I found myself feeding bounce, bouncers to bring their girlfriends to the restaurant. And I would just go out and make them a salad or something. Next thing you know, you go to the club. Oh, Christ, there's no lineup for you. Right. You right through with your yeah. crew. Right. Right? So your, your head's getting blown up because you think you're all that. But you have to remember, you have to, you have to reel it in, yeah. you know? And, and, Thank God for my upbringing and my mother and uh, knowing who I am and, 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 you know what I mean? And knowing who I'm not. Right. That's even right. more important. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I mean, you said a whole bunch there, but I think something that's really interesting is that I think you said it earlier, you have to believe in something bigger than yourself because it's yeah. going to help you to stay connected to your values and your that's wins, right. your wins, what's important now. And so what happens is when you get disconnected from believing in something bigger than yourself, being, you know, whatever that is, then that it's easy for you to kind of go the wrong way. And, yeah. and a lot of, a lot, you know, I know people that don't have that foundation. And I'm, when I mean foundation, it's not that you went to church or whatever. It's just, they don't believe in anything bigger than themselves. And then they try to call on it when they need it, when they're jammed up. Yeah. Right. And and that's very difficult yeah. because you already yeah. had it in you. I already have it in me. It's just another level of calling on it when you're when you're in a, a challenging situation. It's not now I have to actually start believing in something because I need something to get me out of the situation. Right. Yeah. You gotta have that in you, man. You you can't just dial that up. It right. doesn't work that way. Right, right. And that's that I, I also when I say I know that for a fact. You know what I mean? I have friends that didn't have this the, the spirituality aspect. Right. And right. I'm not saying I'm special. I just, right. it, it'll just draw you back from being in situations when you, you know, some people don't, and it sounds corny, they don't know right from wrong. They don't, whether they know it or not, they don't have that thing in them that says, don't do that. Right, right. Or that's bad, that's a bad idea, cut. Right. Or that's, you know what I mean? Right. It, they don't have that thing that will make them say, whoa, I'm not, I'm not supposed to be doing this. Right. Uh, fortunately for me, 
Um, I called on it at a time where it was just before it went off the rails. Yeah. I called on that and, and it, it brought me back. Without yeah. going into too much detail, I, I just want to, you know, I'm grateful that I had that upbringing and that home, what they call home learning. Home learning. <laughs> and that home learning. Have have home learning <laughs> they got a home learning. You know, and you know. Yeah. Some people that don't have home learning. <laughs> so, so you know what but this this brings this brings up something interesting too because in, in my book you have the keys now drive i talk about getting a life support network and it's really about the people that you surround yourself with and i know i was in that situation too you know growing up yep. around a lot of drugs and crime and you know i was hanging out with a lot of the wrong people and started going the wrong way you know i think it was really once i stepped step back and saw the people that i was around this isn't the, this isn't me. And so once they they changed up the people that I was associating with, my life changed because they had bigger expectations of themselves and and bigger expectations of me. What did you find? Was that the same thing for you? You absolutely, you absolutely nailed it. That you take a look around and you realize, like I said, I'm not supposed to be here. Right. 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 I'm here. I mean, you lived in the B, like, you know what I mean? I don't know. And here's another thing. I don't know what would have happened to me if I grew up in the beat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was fortunate enough to grow up where, you know, there was still, it was like a middle class sort of thing. Um, there was still opportunity where I lived. There was still people, you know, we lived in houses. Right. You know, your grandfather upped his game. You know what I mean? He got his master's in social work, so up to his up to his wealth, up to his status. Right. We moved into a house and that sort of stuff. Um, but I don't know if I would have grew up with the beat. I don't know. Yeah. You know, it was it was hard. You had to be strong, mentally strong, because it was so easy to go the wrong way. Yeah. It was all around you. It's all around you. <laughs> Definitely. And people may think that, oh, little Nova Scotia is whatever, but, you know, any Torontonian knows Scotians, like, yeah. you say Scotian, they understand what it is. Yeah. But yeah. to live down here and, and be right in it. The other part of, of growing up here is your family, your other side of the family, it's a big family. Mm-hmm. You know, my father's side. That's a big family, Danny. Yeah, my father's side's big, yeah. That's right. It's big. Now, growing up here, I never had that. You see all kinds of black people. You see all kinds of black families. You got all kinds of black friends, but you're not related to nobody. Right. It's a different thing. I don't know how to describe this either because this is different because you you may not understand because you got cousins everywhere. Right. Everywhere. You yeah. look. I, I had a lot of cousins. <laughs> you, got more you got a lot of uncles. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Now, in Jamaica, where we're from, from St. Anne, yeah, man, our family's big. It's right. huge. Right. I grew up with no uncles, really. You know, these two gentlemen that were my uncles, they're not my uncles. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, my friends, they walk down the road, you're playing ball, you see their cousins, they're hailing up their cousins. Right. We, I never had that. Right, right. I knew I had a big family, but in here, they weren't here you're in not Canada. related to nobody. Right. So you have to make sure that your uncle, your mother, we were tight. Yeah, it was us. It was us. It was us. Our little nuclear family was what was up. 
Right. You have a huge extended family. We just had to make sure that we stuck to ourselves and made sure that we were together. And I'm, I'm fortunate that our family is still close, uh, very close. And I think that's because we only had us. Yeah, that's true. You know what that's I mean? True. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so like, you know, in saying all that, like, and you've already given some, some, you know, some real good nuggets, but like, what advice would you kind of give to somebody who's at a crossroads? Like you definitely said, get, get connected to some faith or something bigger than yourself. But like somebody right now, who's either at a crossroads in their life or in their career and their relationship, or somebody who's really struggling with something in their life, like what kind of advice would you give somebody right now? who's just facing this struggle and they're trying to figure out, you know, how to move through it or, you know, do I go left or go right? It, it's all, it's always important to have another point of view. Your grandfather told me one time, just because you would do something, don't expect the next person to do that. Uh, it sounds kind of whatever. You put yourself in situations where you're like, why is that guy doing that? Right. Well, he got his own set of reasons and none of them are yours. So you may not understand why he's doing that, but just because you might do it, don't expect him to do it or understand why he should do it or understand why you think he should do it. Right. Just do you. Yeah, that's good. You know? However, people that, that are, this is a tough time right now, D. This, this time we're living in right now is very, you know, it's troubling. It, it's, it's on people's minds. People are worried. Right. They don't know what the future is going to hold. Fortunately, yeah, you know, I'm not I'm not saying that I go to church, but I have it. I have that. It was instilled in me right. that you have to believe in something. You have to have faith. But to make a move, it's scary. It's frightening. I, I say to anyone, and I, I told you when we started this, if this was an introspective thing, because this really made me look at some stuff. You got you to gotta make a decision to move forward. That's, that's the bottom line. It's forward. You can't live in the past. The past is exactly that, the past. So don't let stuff drag you down. Don't let old shackles drag you down. You, you got to move forward. And it is frightening. You, you, either you have a strong base as friends, you know, that are supportive or family or whatever. And if you don't have that, you have to look inward. But don't just, don't spin your wheels. Yeah. There's no time. There's no time for that. No, that's good. I, I, and that's I'm learning this right now, Danny. Even doing this with you, yeah, I've had a I've had a very successful career, I guess. Right. Right now, these are different times, troubling times, and we have to adjust our lives. And I'm I'm thinking about another direction, but it's frightening because people have families; they have to provide. Uh, they might do things they don't want to do or earn some ways they don't want to earn. But forward, that that's it. Just just forward. I always tell people, do what you have to do until you can do what you want to do. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like, good advice. Yeah, like whatever yeah, that's it is. Good don't let the ego get in the way. Don't let, I would never do this. Don't let other people's opinions like, oh, if somebody saw me doing this, then they're going to think this of me. It doesn't matter, especially when it comes to moving your life forward, either mentally or financially or doing what you have to do for your family. Why would you care about what someone else has to say? Right. And I think that's a good point. Wow. You just you just nailed something I wanted to say earlier about when I moved back from Vancouver, I wasn't in the opera. I wasn't not in the position to move laterally and get an executive chef job. When I came home, it wasn't like that. I had to humble myself. You have to humble yourself. And being a cook, you can get a job anywhere. 
Right. It depends on what you want to do. Now, you might be an executive chef in Vancouver, but I came back to Halifax and I had to get a job that was well beneath. Doesn't matter. I did that job to the best of my ability. That's all you can do. People might look at you like, oh, shit, you, you, what are you doing? What, really? Yeah, it's an honest living. And, and that's, that's basically how I, I looked at cooking. Your grandmother said that you will always have a job if you take this trade and get a trade because you will always have a job. And I said to myself, well, that makes sense. People got to eat. But that's not what she meant. She meant that if you want to work, you will have a job. Don't let your ego get in the way. Don't think something's beneath you. If you got a family you got to provide, you, you, but like you said, you do what you got to do till you get to do what you want to do. And I think, I think that there, that's, that's the, that's the real advice right there. I, I think, man, I mean, the fact that you did that though, like, you know what I mean? You were an executive chef, you came back home and then you just, you were a cook. And I'm sure a lot of people saw, yep. came to restaurants and said, Colin, you're cook. You're a cook. Like, you know, like, yeah. how do you, how do you, how do you deal with that? Like, I'm like, it's a small place. I'm sure everybody knew that you were a cook and not an executive chef. How did you deal with that? Yeah. Well, like I said, you have to humble yourself to, to earn, to earn a, an honest living, Danny. And yeah. I know, you know what I'm talking about. To earn yeah. an honest living is a whole other thing. Right. So it takes strength. People yeah. might think that you're taking the, you know, you know, you're you're taking the sucker route. At the end of the day, it's it's honest living, right? And from that honest living, when I came back in 1996 or seven, it started. You know, it started from working at this little place to talking to your friends to oh man, Maurizio's over somebody to going to meet Maurizio to meet this chef that is world renowned and worked beside him for five years. Amazing. To the point where he made me a chef of one of his other restaurants, and that's how I got back on track. Wow. Right? But it's your work ethic. That's what it is. That's what's been you consistent. Have to, you have to humble yourself, because I could have came home with a whole other way. Right. There's Isaiah. So, you know, I wasn't raised like that. Yeah. You got you to gotta work. Man, that's, and you got to have a, you know, that, that lifestyle was not part of your grandmother's her program. No, definitely so, not. <laughs> you've got to come back to what you know and what you're supposed to do. And from there, I was blessed. And, and fortunate for me, I had friends that I worked with before I left that knew how I worked, knew my work ethic, knew my skill set, and it just catapulted me to, right. to bigger and better things. And I was fortunate to have, you know, four executive chef positions wow. in the last 20 years, being back home. Raising a family—it's a little Nova Scotia, but I'm happy here, man. Trust yeah, me, no, that's great, man. You know, and and that's one thing I learned from you is definitely work ethic. I've seen you grind it out. I've seen you rise up throughout these these kitchens and become executive chefs. And like I said, you know, see you on magazines and all these kinds of things. And you know, really proud of your journey. Proud of like the whole journey that you've had. And then just really taught me a lot about myself in terms of like possibility. You know, I think right now, you know, going back to what the time that we're living in right now, a lot of people are feeling stuck. A lot of people don't know what's next. They can't see their way through that. I think you said it. It's like 
Even if you can't see your way through something, the best thing to do is to get in motion, whether it's going to the gym, whether it's meditating, whether it's reading, whether it's spending time with your kids, whether it's having meaningful conversations, whether it's getting out there and job searching, starting a side hustle, getting in motion is a step forward. That's the thing, like sitting around stirring over things. I don't know how I'm going to pay this bill. I don't know. Well, get, get moving. Can I get a side hustle over here? Is there something in my house that I can sell right now to make a couple extra dollars? Can I get another part-time job? It's about getting in motion. And I think a lot of us, are, we overthink things. And because we can't really see our way through it, we just stay where we're at. And so you said it, get in motion, get in motion and just move forward. Maybe not in, not in even the, the way that you want it to. Right? See, but that's the thing, dude, that the humility part. That's where the humility comes in. Because yeah. you might be doing a job that you already know it's it's not it's not what you should be doing. Right. You might think it's even beneath you, really. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You might be someone that's that's got their their doctorate or their master. I'm, yo, I work with dishwashers in Vancouver from different countries that, that have their doctorate in mathematics. And it was a dishwasher. This is a whole other side, you know, we just veered off to something, but I have to speak on this, that these gentlemen, I mean, this man had two books written, okay? He's a dishwasher at Joe Forte's. And and some of the people were talking to him, like people talk to dishwashers, you know what I'm talking about. Disrespectful. This man was an edu- he was a professor of mathematics. You, everyone has a story. You don't know what their story is. You're going to treat everybody with respect, right? I don't care what they do. Ditch digger, dishwasher, professor. No one's better and no one's lower. Trust me. I've turned so many dishwashers into cooks that they didn't even know that they were cooks because you showed interest in them. You you saw something in them. They didn't know they had these skills. You you hold them. you, You... you you teach someone, you you encourage them, you kind of cuddle or, or what do you call that? Coddle. Uh-huh. You set them up for success. Now they're empowered. They're they're trust me, they're on your squad. They're yeah. they're down to rock because yeah. you brought them up. So now they're on your team, do or die. And now they're on different restaurants. And they, you know, oh chef, I'm the I'm the sous chef over here now, and I'm the whatever. That's my that's my payment. That's we'll my legacy well you know um chef talk about the 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 you know the one um one of your sous chefs who moved back to colombia who owns a bunch of hey. restaurants talk a little bit about rodrigo i think his name was no this is harry man uh, oh, no, harry, rodrigo yeah, harry. was from chile but my man harry, harry man when yeah. i went to vancouver i met this cat he was 22 years old so i was 21 22 23 but he was my sous chef so he's older than me, but he only knows what he knew from Colombia. He he never he wasn't trained, you know, French cuisine, you know, the classics. He didn't know all that. But he had a big personality. He was great with the customers. People loved him. He would go to the table, come back, and make a dish. They don't even know what they're getting. And Harry made it. He'd bring it out. You know, he chat them up, he kissed the baby. Next thing you know, they're taking pictures. Right. He taught me a lot about that. Now, eventually he had to go back home. But what I did know was this kid was wealthy. His father was some textiles giant or whatever in Colombia, and he had money. He was just here, just kind of so you know, learning learning Western cuisine, basically. Right. 
Now, this guy has four restaurants right now in Colombia. Now, COVID has happened, but Harry's got four restaurants. He's got a bakery. He, whatever, like, say the, the president of the Bank of, of uh, Canada goes to Colombia. They're going to Harry's spot. Wow. Like, this is the clientele that Harry has. I, I can't even talk about the love I have for this guy. That was 25 years ago, and wow. we still talk. He still emails me his kids, video chats. Like, we're still brothers. Wow. And that was all just because we bonded, and I didn't think I was bigger than him. Right. And he played it down because this kid's wealthy. He didn't have to be here. That's right. Right? right? But he had humility as well. Yeah. He learned. But now he's got, you know, he wants me to come to Columbia. <laughs> right. He wants me to come and see what he's built. Like, Of course. You know what I'm saying? So how does that make you feel, knowing that you were part of all oh, of these man. stories? I mean, he's just one oh, of many, oh. but how... How do you how do you feel? Do you feel like a proud papa when you see all of these people all over the place that you've given a shot to and coached and mentored? Because well, that's what you were doing, right? Oh, buddy. Here, I, I think Harry would have landed on his feet because he's rich. Now, there's another couple of fellas that I know you know that needed needed, you know, when we say they needed to be on paper, that means that, you know, they needed they needed to to have a government job, a job right? Right. Yeah. And you, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. However, these cats didn't know that they had kitchen skills. They didn't know, okay, yes, you're going to dishwash. And really, Danny, you know they ain't trying to dishwash. Right. You know what I mean? That, that's beneath them. Right. In their mind, right. they're out there making money. Right. And once you get them in, like I said, that, that zone of it's a team and everyone has a part to play and we appreciate what you're doing. And you know what? Have you ever made a salad before? You ever made a Caesar salad before? Dog, dog. Here, I'm gonna show you. Now, every time a Caesar salad comes up, chef, can I make that salad? Right. He's still washing the dishes, but now he's waiting to see the Caesar salads come up because right. now he's gonna shine. Now these are bona fide gang Danny. These are these are men that are that have been in the street. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, real gangsters, yeah. But to see the joy after they made that salad, to put it out there and have someone say, "Oh, that's Caesar salad." Wow. You see the look on their face, like. Like a little kid. That's amazing. I've got man. a lot of those stories. That's amazing. I know because I know a lot Never of people that, that you. I know a lot of people that you've given a shot who had been incarcerated no. or you know you know had you know addictions problems, and I know a lot of people that you've given a shot to. And I'll, man. I'll tell you, two of them, and it was so crazy. This is how crazy this is. Two separate situations, and one of the fellas moved to Toronto. He came back to visit me. But while he visited me, a fellow that I had working at the time was his celly, right? His cellmate in These prison. These two guys were cellmates. I had no idea. He came in. He said, what you doing? He said, oh. He said, Chef Stone. He was like, oh, Chef Stone. He said, yeah, man. And those two had their own bonding over me. You know man. what I'm saying? Wow. Man. That's, that's probably the highlight. That is, that's something, man. I got a couple That's more questions. Those those two that knew each other inside were now outside, but I touched both of them and they both were saying, uh, Chef Stoneman, yeah, man. You know, he gave me a shot, or yeah, I'm on the team, or or whatever. Right. They're right. doing different things. And now they're both doing different things. Right. Now they're not cooking, but they're they've moved on to entrepreneurial things. Right. That's great. Right. They got their websites, their T-shirts, their, their food line. They're, they're grinding out there. 
Wow. But they're not blind like they were blind. Right. Man, that's you know amazing. what I mean? That, that's got to make you feel good, man. That's gotta, my thing. That's man. right. That makes me feel that makes you feel good. That kind of stuff. Those are trophies. So I got a couple more questions before we wrap up. Man, this is good. Yeah. Um, so you've had a lot of things. You've achieved a lot of things in your life. So like, what's your biggest dream now? Like, what would be, you know, the icing on the cake for you in terms of your your career and your life? You know, both of them. What would be the icing on the cake for you? Well, uh, right now I see my, you know, as you get older, it's all about your kids, right? Your offspring and, and what you've taught them, instilled in them and, and where they're going. So, you know, the oldest, uh, I think he's on the right track. You know what I mean? He, he's at your alma mater. He, he did He dipped his toe in last year. He did, did well at Dalhousie. Now this COVID kind of, you know, made him switch gears. Basically, in my end game, it, I would like to uh, to move to the country. I'd like to develop something out there where it's now slow. It's slow, yeah. right? Whether it's a barbecue shack, smokehouse, okay. um, something that is not. Because I mean, I've worked in a lot of different restaurants. I've worked in a lot of high end restaurants. Right. Um, but you know, the the trend right now is going back to old school. Yeah. Right. It's not like there's a huge barbecue tradition here, but there is. You know, right? And and I I think I have the opportunity. I'd like to with with Sarah, who's from the country. You know, we're city kids, so we don't. I don't really know a lot about the country. I only learn from her. But what I'd like to do is is try to create something like a like a barbecue shack smokehouse thing that is going to be legendary. That will go on and on and on. Now my kids don't have to work there. Right. But they might, you know, it, it'll be a destination spot. When you come to Scotia, you have to come to Chef Stone's Smoke Shack or yeah, whatever it is, yeah, right? Yeah, I like you that. You got to come out there. I like you gotta, that. You got to, but the whole experience, Steve, not just the food, right? You know how we're going to do it. Yeah. How I'm going to do it. I'm going to be out there. Yeah. I'm going to be talking to the people. I'm going to be, it's going to be an experience. It's like when you come to Nova Scotia and you go to Ludenburg or you go to, you know, wherever. It's going to be a destination spot, something where you can sit down with someone that, and, and make something local products, local product, and, and people just come and enjoy. Wow! Without the hustle and bustle of of the the restaurants that I'm used to, do you know what I mean? I think people want that now. They want that kind of slow down experience where they can you know conversate and have these meaningful discussions and take their time with the food not be rushed out of the restaurant so i think think that's gonna that's a great idea you know i think that's gonna be that's a we'll we'll, we'll see hopefully that you will you know maybe we'll have another chat and we'll be doing it from down there who knows definitely definitely okay i got two more questions i ask everybody before they leave so what is what does it mean to grind and hustle what does that mean to you well danny to me Watching the examples set for me, your mother, your grandmother is probably the best example to me of, of someone that, that worked super hard all her life to provide, to provide, not even for herself, to provide. To grind is, is to do what you have to do, what you deem necessary to get things done, whether that's food on the table, whether that's the mortgage, whether that's the rent, whether that's the whatever bill. You have to go above and beyond. You cannot rest on your laurels or, or hope that this bill, the bills don't go away. No. You know, you got to do what you have to do. And that might mean overtime. That might mean 
You're working six days a week, seven days a week. You have to sacrifice. I know that Isaiah, fortunately now I don't grind like I did. Uh, I know Isaiah, you know, might have missed a couple birthdays, you know, because he knew daddy was working. He works at a busy place. And, I, you know, when you're the boss, you don't sometimes get to pick your days off. And now with Monica, it's different. I'm whole more. She doesn't understand about that kind of stuff. But to grind, you have to, to work hard to get what you want. And it's not going to be a nine to five. You might have to get a second job. You know, like I said, you might have to work six, seven days in a row. You might have to work whatever, right. whatever you have to do to maintain or to achieve what you, you've set, you have to do. Yeah. And it's not going to be easy. That, that's what I need about grinding. Now, that's great. If, if last... grinding was easier, then everyone would do it. Of course. <laughs> Everybody be grinding, but they're not. Exactly. But they're not, though. I know. Yeah. No, that was great. And last question, what does gratitude mean to you? I, I think throughout this whole thing, we've talked about that. Gratitude, I don't know if I'll ever be able to, well, I can't say that. When I say be grateful for, for what my parents have done for us, the sacrifices they made. I was going to say, I don't know if I'll be able to, to pay them back or, or show them how grateful I am. But I think with our children and what they're doing, you're an example, the next level. I think that's, that's the gratitude where they've moved on or they've stepped up their education or they've stepped up their lifestyle game. Unfortunately, your grandmother's not here or your grandfather, but I think that they, they would see that that what they've done for us, that we are grateful for. Um, and I think what you're doing, how you motivated others, your story shows the gratitude. It's not, it's not both work. Yeah. You got to live. You can't just say you're grateful. You have to, <laughs> you have to embody it. It's an expression of what's going on in your life. Not just, yeah, I'm grateful. Or, yeah. I'm blessed or whatever. Right. It's more than that. More than, more than a hashtag. More than a hashtag. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. Right. Like, like I said, your, your grandfather, Danny, was a, he got his master's when he was probably in his late 40s. So that means he had to work a full-time job with the family and go to school, night classes, all, and then get up and go to work. Like, when you see someone doing that, you have to act accordingly. Right. You can't just lay around and go, yeah, he did that for us right. or whatever. That's your work ethic. That's your base. Right. So that's me. That's, you know what right. I mean? I'm grateful that I have parents that, that chose to come here and, and try to better, not just themselves, but they had a plan. And we are the fruition of that plan. Wow. Well, man. And it's still going. So. It's still going. It's still, man. You know, we covered a lot yeah, of this conversation. Going, we covered. So before we, before, <laughs> we, before we wrap up, uncle, um, what like first of all, what do you wanna what do you wanna how can people reach you? Where you at? Well, I'm on Instagram. I'm at uh Colin Stone67. Uh, I'm also at uh I got a Gmail address, uh Colin Stone also uh sixty seven at, at uh, dot Colin Stone sixty seven at whatever dot C A Gmail. Gmail.com. Yeah. I'm uh, you know, I'm hoping to get get up on this stuff and hoping yeah. that you know that you'll help me. Sure. Because sure. this is all new to me. And the magazine. Talk, talk, talk about the ma- you got show people the east. I see the magazine back there. Hey, the east, no, hey, the man. East, no, the east Coast Living no. Magazine. If you're 
if you're in uh, Nova Scotia, make sure you get a copy of that. You know, he's on on the cover. So we're going to move on with this. So hopefully there'll be a website soon. And uh, I'm going to start making some videos. Yeah. And hopefully we'll launch this thing. And, and, you know, we're going to make some comfort food together. We're going to make some real soul food together. I love it. And that's my plan. Uh, These times are new for everybody. Yes. But the social media stuff. You know you're gonna have to help me. I help you out. I help you out. Don't worry, yeah, man. man. I got you. Don't worry. Well, listen, man. Thank, <laughs> like, like, uncle. Like, I just want to before we wrap up. I just want to say, like, you know, first of all, thanks for being on here. You know, and I was, I was, I was thinking about who I wanted to to have that final spot for the end of the year for the podcast, I and I was thinking of you. And again, man, I just want to thank you for like, you know, I, I don't know if you really know, but like growing up, I used to look up to you. You're like my big brother. Well, that's and, what you are. You were like my little book. Well, you know, nine years is not a lot of. Yeah. We've been through a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, so you were like my little brother. And when, when you achieve, I feel a part of me achieves. You know what I mean? Like, of course, I, I'm super happy for your for your career right now. But I've been proud of you, Danny, since you was a little kid. So. Thanks. To see this happening now and, and, you know, your marriage and the family, like, I'm loving it. I'm loving watching you guys because, yeah, you are you are the next generation of us. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. And these bestows and the riches, we got to keep going, buddy. We have to keep going. Well, thanks a lot, Uncle, for being on here. Make sure you follow him at ColinStone67 on Instagram. You know where to follow me at. I am Danny Stone on Instagram. I am Danny Stone on all platforms. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Grind and Gratitude Show. We're going to come back bigger and stronger and better in the new year. So thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. Make sure that you come back uh, again every Monday. We drop a brand new episode. Take care. Thanks so much for being my co-host on this episode of the Grind and Gratitude Show. I really appreciate you. I hope that you learned something and you're motivated to take action and get on your grind. Didn't that go by fast? If you want more, head over to grindinggratitude.com for show notes and more information about this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and subscribe and leave a rating so more people will tune in. And let me say this, there's something special about you. Grind until you find it. Be grateful when you get it.